coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing podcast. The things that come out of my mouth now, I just got to slap myself sometimes. It's like, dude, I just called a 19-inch fish small. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> I just said 38 steel and to hand. Like, what in the absolute hell? I mean, this this last year when we were out there, him and I just went out for a little evening sesh, and it was every cast. I mean, we were literally playing every other cast. Boom, steal it. Boom, steal it. Boom, steal it. I mean, it's just, just nuts. That was Adam Cuthrell taking us into Kodiak, the Carluck Brown Bears, and crazy steelhead numbers today on The Swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Adam Cuthrell is back on the podcast to take us into one of the great steelhead rivers around the world. We discover how he was able to put together one of the only programs in this part of Alaska on Kodiak. We find out how and why you might want to book a spot uh, with Adam if he's got some availability. And we also find out about this trip to Honduras with Cam, one of his one of his main guides up in Alaska. Cam's got a cool program he's building down in Honduras. Uh, we're going to be talking to him soon as well, and we hear about the difference between uh, Alaska and Honduras. So it was pretty awesome today. Every time I get Adam back on the show, it's always a good time, always some good laughs. So uh, excited to share this one with you. Here we go, Adam Cuthrell from FishHoundExpeditions.com. How you doing, Adam? I'm uh, doing good. Just enjoying a nice wintry day up here in AK. Nice. Yeah, I wanted to check with you on that. I'm, I'm curious. Since we left you uh, in, gosh, what was it, September, right? You've how has it been now? We're in February. How has the winter been for you guys? Uh, you know, it's been good. It's not as snowy as the last couple winters had been. We're right around 400 inches, which for us is a little low tide, uh, but been out in the uh-huh. backcountry a bunch and have had the little one up snowboarding a bunch as well. Uh, this is her yeah. second year on the board and super pumped for her. She just uh, did her first, uh, you know, rail slide slash box <laughs> thing the other day all by herself. So nice. good to see her having fun. That's cool. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did an episode. It was pretty fun with David Gravett, a professional skateboarder, and he did. It, the guy was pretty funny. He, I think, he cussed like two hundred times. On, I think he said the f bomb like two hundred <laughs> times. He he smoked a bowl, and we did this episode. It started like it was like first thing in the morning. He smoked a bowl and got rolled. It was it was pretty funny, but it was interesting because the guy's like broken every bone in his body pretty much. Um, and I'm curious with your kid because. My kids haven't been out doing the stuff like that yet. Are you worried at all that, that you know, that your kid's going to become this crazy, going off crazy jumps? Or are you just fired up? <laughs> I'm fired up. You know, that's yeah. kind of part of it. I mean, obviously, she's my daughter. I don't want her to get hurt. But if it's something she wants to pursue further down the road, you know, you got to yeah. gotta pay to play. I mean, when I snowboarded competitively, I did my ACL, broke oh, my yeah. leg, two front teeth multiple Shh. times. So it's just... Uh, yeah, Nowhere it. near as hardcore as skateboarding, but yeah, got yeah. to pay to play. That's it. Cool. Well, today we're going to jump into Kodiak. We did the trip last uh, last fall, that epic trip and helicopter in the middle of Alaska. Did the whole. Thing. It was a crazy year because the water was so high, but we had a great trip. But we talked about Kodiak, and I was just thinking, and I have a connection. My dad used to go back when I was a kid, did the Kodiak thing. I always heard these stories about Kodiak. But uh, but you do this on, as a regular basis, right, at the end of the, the fall. Uh, so I want to dig into that today. Where do you start with people when they don't know anything about Kodiak? They've heard about it. Is it pretty straightforward putting this together, or do you need some serious skills to do this trip? 
Well, you know, like all of our trips, there's a lot of logistics involved with, you know, air freight and gear and rafts and frames and oars and, you know, the million things that go with float fishing and getting that out to Kodiak. But, you know, we, I do all the booking and have been out hunting and fishing in Kodiak for a long time. So we have good air services and good logistics behind the scenes. Uh, so it's pretty straightforward, you know, call me up, go over it and get uh, guest dialed in. Um, they are super unique trips as unlike most of our other trips where it is full on wilderness remote flow where you're tent camping and everything in there uh, with working with the native corporation. We actually um, built two small uh, dry cabins out on two of the best runs of the river. So we're able to get a wilderness float. Uh, but instead of going back to a wet, cold, soggy tent, we have dry cabins that have uh, generators, outhouses, oil stoves for heat, all surrounded oh, wow. by a bear fence. So, yeah, it's it's pretty comfortable uh, to Amazing. be out there. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And what's the typical trip like of length when people are coming in? Does it vary or what is there a standard length? Uh, we do six-day, five-night trips out there on Kodiak, and each launch is limited to six guests per launch. So you pretty much have the the whole place to yourself. Um, you know, that's one of the coolest things about these trips is just how remote they are and pretty much the lack of people and presence there is, is awesome because everyone loves swinging for steelhead. But like, you know, down there in the lower northwest, uh, rivers can get pretty crowded. And I think this year... And all the trips that we did, we saw three other people. Uh, yep. So so wow. pretty good. Because, yeah, we do get folks from the local village there who love to steelhead fish. So we'll occasionally see them. But uh, uh, when we're doing our guided trips, it's it's just us working with the, the Kodiak Brown Bear Center. Gotcha. So that's just you guys. So you, And that's a good trip. So six days, five nights. And let's talk about the trip a little bit. So you drop in. How does that work? Do you just, or is this a fly-in as well? Or how, how do yeah. you guys, what's the first day? Yeah. So kind of the basic outline for these trips is say, hypothetically, you're on the October 3rd launch. Uh, you would want to arrive into Kodiak City on the 2nd, stay at a hotel or Airbnb of your choosing. On that 3rd, we pick you up at 8 a.m. at your hotel, take you down to the float plane base. Uh, there we get your gear put into our provided dry bags and then hop on the float plane and head out to Carluck Lake. We typically land uh, there at the lake at around 10 on that first day. We get guests orientated to uh, the cabins and the main lodge and stash the gear. And then we go out fish that afternoon on that first day. Uh, there's two beautiful small tributaries of Carluck Lake that are mm. just stacked with rainbow trout, sea run dolly varden, sockeye salmon, silver salmon, and, and steelhead. And there's tons of bears at those creeks. So you get some awesome bear viewing experience while chasing fish with a fly rod in your hand. That night, we come back to the lodge for an amazing meal. The, the chef there is just awesome. Appetizers, drinks, that whole deal. So that's mm -hmm. that's the first day. So basically, yeah, October 3rd, you start 8 a.m. And then so when you're at the lake, so there's a lodge, one of those lodges you built is right at the lake, or is this another lodge? So this is another lodge. The really cool thing, how this all kind of just sidetrack here real quick, how this all came into existence is uh, five or six years ago, uh, one of my good friends here in Girdwood, he started the Girdwood Brewing Company, which is an awesome brewery, great beer. Uh, but he's also a huge fly fisherman and outdoorsman. And him and I were just kind of BSing about business and entrepreneurship. And I was like, man, you know, I just have one last piece of the puzzle. I need to find uh, remote steelhead river. I really think the Carluck is where it's at just because of the run numbers, the beauty. 
I was like, I just need to figure out a way to, to make it work. And <laughs> he starts laughing at me. And I was like, dude, what the, the <laughs> heck are you laughing at? He goes, my wife is president of the Kodiak Native Corporation. I think I can get you a meeting. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so met with her and gave her the proposal of working with them. And she loved it because she's a fisherman as well. We went out there, fished it together. And yeah, we've been working. This is our, this will be our fifth year doing trips out there commercially. So that's kind of how it all came into existence. And then when we were out uh, actually with uh, the head of the corporation, she was wondering, you know, what could we do to really set these trips to set these from other float trips and other steelhead trips? And I was like, well, you know, Kodiak just as well as I do. Weather's brutal. The tent camping on this particular river is pretty tough just because of all the tussock heads. It doesn't have big gravel bars like a lot of our rivers do in Western Alaska where you can just camp anywhere. And I was like, well, if we could build some structures out here and have cabins to, you know, stay warm and dry and comfortable, it would be pretty unique. I mean, to my knowledge, the only other floats like this where there's, you know, permanent, semi-permanent structures were uh, in Kamchatka, which we all know no one is going there anytime soon. So to have that here in the States, you know, where you can get a wilderness float, have a warm place to stay at night and dry off, not to mention one of the largest steelhead runs in Alaska is, is very unique and awesome. There you go. So that's it. So. Well, and, and so the numbers, yeah, we'll, we're going to get into that a little bit on the fishing and some of the techniques and stuff, but let, let's keep going down that track. So night one, so you're there at the lodge or at, at the cabin, and then do you guys, are you doing another, are you staying there for a couple nights or talk about the rest of the nights on the river? Yeah. Yeah. So we stay at the lodge two nights, um, which is awesome. You get like these trips, you get a lodge experience, you get a wilderness float and you get a scenic river. The Carlick is just beautiful um so yeah we stay at the lodge two nights uh on day number two uh they have this beautiful huge landing craft and when we first got there i was like how the heck did you guys get this boat here because it's a massive like 30 foot ocean landing craft and they had it helied in and built there (laughs) jeez (laughs) on the lake yeah it's it's awesome uh so on day two we take that beautiful boat across the lake and the bears have done a great job of putting in a nice walking path for us next to the river uh hmm. and that first little stretch there has got some of the best uh swing runs on that river two years ago we had a gentleman 15 sorry 14 steelhead to hand swinging in two runs oh real right at the outflow of the lake yep yep oh wow yeah it's it's awesome so that second day we spend walking and waiting uh, up and down the, the car lake there on the upper stretches and then return back to the lodge uh, for night number two. Gotcha. Gotcha. Night number two. And then, and then the rest of the nights are just floating down and then you got the two other cabins that mixed in there in the, in the next three nights, right? Correct. Correct. So we stay at one of the two cabins two nights in a row, which is great. You get a layover day. Not that there's a ton of packing involved, but you don't have to pack all your stuff up. And it just gives uh, our guests and guides another day to really work whichever runs are are fishing the best. Because where we built the cabins, uh, there's one on the middle river and then on the lower river. And they just access some of the best steelhead runs on that river. So it's nice to stay at one of those two nights in a row and walk and wade and swim and then a short float down to uh the other cabin for the for the last night so that must be pretty cool for you after you know 
like doing the river trips, which we did with you. And it's, I mean, yep. it's, it is a lot of work, right? It's a lot of fun, but it is a lot of work putting up the tents, doing all that stuff. How do you feel? Do you feel like when you come up to the Kodiak, are you like, okay, this is like a deep breath, a nice break? Does it feel like it's a break from the normal routine? It, it does. I mean, yeah. myself and my guides were steelhead addicts. I mean, don't get us, don't get me wrong, us wrong. We love fishing for trout and salmon, yeah. but steelhead definitely, they're the unicorns. You know, yeah. they hold a special place in our heart and being able to get out there and experience this with guests and ourselves is very much a light at the end of the tunnel because after a season, especially like last year where it was just yeah. super rainy, dealing with wet gear all the time and wet tents and yeah. it just it does start to grind on you a little yeah. bit and with kodiak you know we get to go to a nice warm cabin if we're cold we turn up the heater if we need right. to charge something we fire up the generator so no we we love yeah. it we absolutely yeah, yeah. love it that's awesome so well let's talk about the fishing a little bit because that's something always like you say the unicorn you know there are a lot of times where you go out fishing in some places around in the country and you know you might get skunked right oh yeah so that didn't happen for you guys. Talk about that a little bit. What, what's what's your what's a normal? Maybe take us back to what is normal, and then what's really good down there. Oh man, I mean, yeah, I started steelheading down in your neck of the woods on the Deschutes, and if yeah. you got two or three, you know, you're a stud. Uh, up here, if you get two or three, you were doing it wrong. Um, and yeah. I mean, it's fishing, steelhead fishing. You know, there are no guarantees. Yeah. Uh, but numbers for most folks are typically anywhere from eight to 15 to hand a day oh, normally. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we did have a new record set this year. Um, a gentleman in one day swung up 28 steelhead to hand and then went and grabbed a bead setup and caught 10 more. Jeez. 38 steelhead in one day. Jeez. Unbelievable. Yeah. Now, was I was going to ask you this question too. Do you think that guy was sitting there feeling like, man, I'm kind of, I'm tired of catching steelhead or was he still jacked? Ready to go? <laughs> oh, he was so jacked. He yeah. was so jacked. I mean, all the guests and even, and myself and my guides, I mean, you're just so jacked out there. I mean, yeah. I mean like the number that I just said, 38 steelhead to hand oh, is ridiculous. insane. Yeah. And, you know, this year in particular, um, they were the biggest we've ever seen. You know, in years past, most of the fish kind of averaged upper, mid upper 20s, you know, some mm -hmm. in the low 30s. Uh, this year, they all averaged uh, over 30 and 8 to 10 pounds. I mean, there were some studs that we, yeah. we caught this year, but just on average, the fish were a lot larger this year. So it was, it was silly all the mm. way around. Damn, that's so cool. So as far as the, the swing, like what, talk about that a little bit, the, the gear and the stuff for you guys. Is this a, just a all two-handed game sort of thing or people doing some different things? Yeah. So a lot of guests, as you know, in the realm of steelheading, love catching them on two-handed rods. And the Carluck is so suited to spay casting and two-handed casting. It's not too big. It's not too small. Uh, the river actually doesn't have all that many snags, unlike a lot of rivers in our neck of the woods where you're donating gear every five seconds to. Mm -hmm. uh, the Carluck's pretty clean, so it's just perfect uh, for swinging flies. And then obviously, as as a lot of people know, in your neck of the woods is up here, a steelhead will always eat a bead. Um, so we'll definitely have folks drifting uh, bead setups under bobbers as we float down and then get out and swing uh, the yep. good runs, whether that be with a two-handed rod or a single-handed rod. Right, right, right. And are you guys, do? is it a mix too? Are people using some like 13-foot, 12-foot, 11-foot, maybe even 10-foot spay rods? Or is it kind of, does it really matter what you use? Is it a big river, small river? 
That's uh, a medium river. You know, most of our guests are throwing, you know, kind of your standard 13 foot eight yeah. weight spay rod. Okay. Um, I personally like just a little shorter rod. I like uh, a 12, mine's a 12, six, I think. Yeah. Um, so it's very well suited to two handed casting. You don't need to launch the line a hundred feet like you do on a lot of rivers uh -huh. like in Canada and stuff. So it's a pretty user friendly oh, right. river. Yeah. You don't have to be a, a ninja with a spay rod <laughs> to be successful there. Nice. Now, and are you guys doing the, like the Skagit with tips or is this more of a, yep. yeah. 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 So the Carlock, it's all, you know, just like most other rivers in Alaska, it's all freestone left to run at its own accord. Uh, two years ago, it was stupid low water and mm. it was crazy. I mean, we were catching steelhead in eight inches of water, oh, wow. you know, just straight monofilament leader, no tips or nothing. Yep. Uh, this last year was definitely more of a, a normal year. We use this gadget lines with intermediate heads, you know, for different depths oh, okay. on, on what you're fishing, whether it be, you know, we could definitely geek out, you know, yep. is it better to have the the fly above the steel head to create a profile or do you mm -hmm. want it right in front of its face? So mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, everyone's got their own means and methods for, for swinging. Yeah. What, what's your, what was the fly? If you had to have one fly, did it matter? Is it kind of whatever? This last two years, it really did not matter. In fact, we were trying to find a fly that didn't work because <laughs> uh, they were, I mean, big flies, small flies, yeah. dark flies, heavy flies, shallow flies. Uh, just these last two years, it didn't matter. Wow. Uh, three, three years ago, though, was kind of interesting. Uh, more flesh looking flies were mm. the trick. And I think that's because there was just like white cream sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like we fish a lot of flesh flies up here in Alaska, the articulated flesh and they were just, I mean, it really had to be something fleshy for them to hit it three years ago. Yeah. Um, but these last two years, it, it <laughs> didn't matter. Big fly, small fly, heavy fly, bright fly, dark fly, it just, uh, Whatever. you know, got it out there and they were hitting it. God, that's great. Are there also yeah. salmon? So this is, well, let's talk about the timing. So this is a sept it's a short season, right? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So we run trips just out uh, on Kodiak in the month of uh, October. Uh, our first launch is October 3rd. And then our launches are staggered uh, every four days apart to allow the river to, you know, it's a good resource. We want to protect it and look after those wild steelheads. So we're not trying to hammer them and give them time in between so it's a, a good product and most importantly good for the fish yeah so it's a what, what was like it's a just a september period or what's the window no october october oh it's just october yeah yeah gotcha. we have caught steelhead there earlier obviously they're present but for as far as having you know a good trip to get some of the numbers that i was talking about october yeah. is the best yeah, bet it's, it's october. Uh, yeah, and it's kind of unique. It's just a fall fishery. You know, some of our steelhead rivers up here, like a lot in the southeast, will have both either a fall and a spring or just a spring or just a mm. fall. Uh, Kodiak yeah. is, is just a fall fishery. Okay, yeah. So basically you go in there October, you can like get what, like five, six trips in and that's kind of it, pack them yep. in there? Yep, yep. Right on. Wow, this is great. And are there are there salmon and while you're- There are. Yeah, there are. There's everything. Yeah, so in addition to steelhead, I mean- <laughs> There are a ridiculous amount of sea run dolly slash Arctic char. I mean, just uh, if you're throwing a bead out there, I mean, you could catch one damn near every cast. It's awesome. Uh, there's also uh, resident rainbows as well. We got a couple two footers out of there this year. So it's good to see that diversity as well as uh, silver salmon and sockeye salmon. Uh, it actually has two runs of each of those species of salmon. Uh, so you get a bunch of variety and stuff that you can uh, swing up there. Gotcha. So pretty much, I mean, you got it all. It's, it's got not only the steel, that's the thing, it's the bonus. You get the steelhead, but then you can do, but I, I imagine most guys are coming up for steelhead. That's the focus. 
Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, everyone likes catching fish, but the steelhead are definitely the 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 heart of these trips. Okay, cool. Let's dig into a little on the history. This is something and I don't know how much you know about the history of Kodiak, but like, how did you first? I mean, you told the story about figuring out Kodiak, but why Kodiak? Why did you? Was it always Kodiak? Had you always been thinking Kodiak was going to be the place? That's what I had dreamed about and was really hoping for, just because Kodiak is such a beautiful place. Um, if one's never been there, it should definitely be on your to-do list, whether it be for steelhead, sightseeing, hunting. I mean, Kodiak is just an amazing, amazing place. And then knowing the, the, the size of the steelhead run there was, you know, a big draw for it as well, just because it is one of the largest runs in Alaska, mm. you know, on an average year, it's around 6,000 wild steelhead return. And we've seen it as big as I think eight and 10 on ADF yeah. and G. And there will be some years where it's, it's lower as well. But when you got that many steelhead in a system that's only 24 miles long from start to finish, that's a lot of steelhead right. per mile. So that is, and that's just on, that's just Kodiak, just on yep. that system. Yep. Yep. Right. On this yeah. On this particular system. And when you look at Kodiak, I mean, yeah, when you look at the island, it is pretty crazy because, I mean, there's a lot of other, are there a lot of other rivers? I mean, can you go fish for steelhead in a bunch of other places on the island? There are. There are a bunch of, well, you know, relative to its size, yeah. uh, a lot of good fisheries, uh, steelhead fisheries on the island, as well as, you know, tons of salmon, rainbows, everything. You know, Kodiak is synonymous with, with Alaskan fishing. And uh, the history there on Kodiak is really cool. Um, as I mentioned, we work with the, the Native Corporation. And when we were first checking it out, they actually have some of the oldest fish weirs in the world that hmm. the natives would build. And it's pretty cool to see these massive rocks that they had to have put there by hand. Oh, and wow. just the, the dedication and strength it took for these people to get these big rocks. And they create these perfect Vs. And that's what will funnel uh, the salmon. And that's how one of the ways they fished. And there's also lots of uh, archaeological sites along the river where they've been. And, you know, humans have been fishing on Kodiak, you know, before time even began, before the Russian uh, settlers showed up. And it's uh, very cool to see that history when you're out there uh, swinging a fly. Wow. That is it. And, and what is, and when you're at Kodiak, how does Kodiak, how does it feel different than, say, you know, where we were fishing when we went up into that trip? Um, to the oh, man. is it a lot different yeah it is kodiak is just such a rugged raw feel to it you know like where we were fishing there's tons of trees and big birches and pines you know kodiak is so raw like there's really not that much uh tree life on this section of the island so it's got this just very raw feel and these massive mountains that just you know literally come up out of the ocean so you just have this very raw feeling to it um mm -hmm. whereas like where we were at you know there's highly vegetated, you know, yeah. it's a jungle, Yeah, you know, out, out in Kodiak, it's, it's easy, easy walking with the, the bear trails that they have created for us. Cause we do, that's right. Uh, do, do you see a lot of bears? That's right. So you see, and that was the thing on our trip. So we didn't see any bears, although there were plenty of sign of, of bears, yep. but so you see them on Kodiak. They're just everywhere. Oh, they're everywhere there. It's, it's, uh, my first, when we were first going out there, getting everything set up, we floated past and just like the first mile, there was probably 60 bears. I mean, it was just furry, okay. just lined with them. Damn. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're just hanging, totally used to it, not not a big deal? They're just hanging, fishing, yep. Yeah, and you guys just fish around them, just if they want to take a spot, you kind of... And are they catching yep. steelhead or just mainly salmon? Uh, mainly salmon. Yeah. I'm sure a bear yeah. has definitely tasted steelhead before, <laughs> but for the most part, they're, yeah. they're going for the salmon. You know, the yeah. sockeye run there is so huge, and that's, you know, really what they're uh, focusing on is those, those sockeye salmon. 
Okay. And, and do you guys, I mean, do you occasionally, is it hard to not catch salmon or is it pretty easy to target the steelhead? Are they in different runs? It's pretty easy to target the steelhead. I mean, obviously with any sort of fishing, when you got that much uh, life in there, you're going to catch some other stuff. So yeah, we yeah. definitely, you'll be swinging for steelhead in a perfect run and, and get some salmon or get some dollies. But uh, for the most part, the the spawned out salmon are pretty easy to see oh, when we right. fish behind them. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Cause October there's uh, the only thing left is what there's some coho in there. There's co. It actually gets two runs of sockeye. I mean, we've caught chromed, uh, chromed out sockeye in October, which to me is wild. Um, but they huh. do have two runs of, of sockeye and two runs of silver. Okay. God, that's got everything. All right. And so it's got, I mean, what doesn't have I me? Mean, what, what's the, when you look at it, it seems like it's got a little bit of everything. Is there, I mean, anything we're missing here that gets, sheds light on what Kodiak is about? It just seems like one of those places you kind of have to experience to get really understand it. Oh, it's so cool. I mean, we could sit here and talk till the cows came home, but until you actually get there and just see all the water, all the mountains and how little evidence of humanity there is, it's, it's pretty, pretty yeah. indescribable. Yeah. Did you guys get a break uh, from the rain? We did. This year, the weather on Kodiak was awesome. I mean, out of all the places I fished and hunted, I've been stuck in Kodiak more times by leaps and bounds than anywhere else in Alaska. And when we book these trips, we always tell folks, you know, like, hey, we could get weathered in. We could be delayed getting out. You know, if the pilots don't want to fly and make money, there's a reason for that. We should listen to them. Mm -hmm. um, and this year, it was it was perfect. Um, the trip that I was on uh, with a bunch of repeat guests, I mean, it was 55 and sunny. I mean, I think I put my rain jacket on maybe twice the entire trip. Yeah. It was it was phenomenal, wow. which doesn't always happen in Kodiak. It normally rains. Gotcha. Uh, but this this year, we got a little reprieve from uh, the prior right. five months. That's right. And are you guys at the cabins? Are you guys, is there, there's kitchens? Are you cooking just like doing yep. all that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So when we're at the lodge, obviously gourmet chef prepares everything, which yeah. is awesome. Uh, but then we're out on the river. We eat a lot of the food like you experienced, you know, on yeah. our trip, you know, yep. it's guy food, good food, oh, you know, steaks, amazing. ribs, amazing. fish tacos, that sort of stuff. But yeah, yep. there's uh, kitchenettes at the cabins uh, where the guides prepare the meals. Wow. All right. So this is it. And, and so if people were interested in doing this, I mean, it seems like, I mean, you guys have this operation or there, there's like one other, are there a few other groups doing other uh, companies doing this? No, we're uh, the sole outfitter for the uh, Kodiak Brown Bear. Center, oh, wow. So it's just there you us. Go. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, very, very cool. Right. Right. So that's it. So that's why if you do this trip, you're likely to not see many people at all. You might not see a person. Correct. Another trip. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Well, what else should we shed light on here on Kodiak? I feel like um, there's some questions I have on just kind of gear and stuff like that, but is it, it's pretty standard. If somebody wanted to get in on this, what should they do? Just give you a, give you a ring and check in with you? Yep. Yep. So this year we're all sold out. Uh, we only, I, I take that back. We have one spot left and for 24, we already have one week, uh, one launch yep. that's already completely sold out. So there you go. Yeah. And where else would people go? So we just had an episode that came out and a guy was talking about fishing. What's the really popular across the way, across the way, across the water, the ocean from you down? What's the other really popular? The Sea-Tuck. Yeah, Sea-Tuck. Right. Yep. And Will was talking about that on the podcast. Yeah. Sea-Tuck. Yeah. Now, the Sea-Tuck's a phenomenal river, uh, but it just, you know, it's got 
good numbers of steelhead, wild steelhead. Uh, but in the realm of Alaska fishing, it's pretty easy to access. You fly into Yakutat, yeah. the river's close. I mean, we go to the SeaTac. I take the guides every spring. We go for fun, you know, te- team bonding and air quotes where we go out. Oh, you do? You guys do the SeaTac? Yeah. Yeah. We just go for fun. I mean, yeah. it's a good, it's a great fishery, but you know, when we were there this last spring, we went down and fished the, the lower bit and I counted 35 drift boat trailers. Oh, wow. Oh, so they have, right. So it's way busier. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, but if you oh, go there nice. and just, you know, it's a great fishery, but just uh, be prepared to see other people just like most yeah. other steelhead fisheries, you know, steelhead yeah. are the unicorns and a lot of us like to yeah. chase them. And that's why Kodiak is kind of unique just because it is so remote, uh, yeah. definitely limits, uh, the amount of pressure that it receives. That's it. Yeah. So that's why it's so, I mean, it is, we had that, uh, talked, uh, Russia, like you mentioned, you know, I mean, that's one of those places that's super remote as well, but yeah, I mean, other than Russia, you know, probably Kodiak, but, yeah, it's hard to find a place like that because even Skeena country, right. There's a lot of people up there. Yep. There's not a lot of places you can go. So it probably is Kodiak. I mean, what what else is there, right? It's Kodiak. It's Russia. Those might be the top two. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I just read that uh, Kamchatka steelhead report that came out and the numbers that we get, you know, anglers fishing for to hand, I mean, leaps and bounds more so than Kamchatka. Yeah, that's cool. You you must kind of pinch yourself, I'd imagine, you know, because it seems like, think about all the people in the world you're sitting there on Kodiak. Oh, man. I I mean, just, I mean, Alaska fishing in general, some of the yeah. things that I say, like yeah. 25 year old me guiding the things that come out of my mouth. Now I just got to slap myself. Sometimes it's like, dude, I just called a 19 inch fish small. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just said 38 steel and to hand. Yeah. Like, what in the absolute hell? I yeah. mean, this, this last year when we were out there, uh, me and one of our other guys, well, Cam, you oh, yeah, Cam. Cam. Yep. Oh yeah. Him and I just went out for a little evening sesh. And it was every cast. I mean, mm. we were literally playing every other cast. Boom, steelhead. Boom, yeah. steelhead. Boom, steelhead. I mean, it's yeah. just, just nuts. And it's just downstream and across, just swinging like, yep. not a big deal. Yeah, swinging down. Yeah. They're hitting. Are they hitting more on the swing, on the hang down, just everywhere? Everywhere. I yeah. mean, my favorite is mid drift and it just smacks that fly and the line's instantly running yep. up river, but they'll hit it. You know, definitely on the downhang track, tracking it across and hitting it when it downhangs there. Mid-swing, yeah. you know, we even had a, a few guests uh, two years ago when it was super low. We're, we're skating flies on the surface. Oh, nice. Got multiple to to eat on the surface and watching yeah. the steelhead come up and smack the surface was was very yeah. cool. And, God. Did you, uh, were you using the, the lamps and did, did that reel work at all for the... I'm not sure what, if you had that, you know, Nick's reel. That... Um, did have that on my single hand rod, yeah. Oh, yeah, in single, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, right. I have a old uh, a loop for my, for oh, my yeah. space setup that I that I enjoy. I love that noise, that just that ratcheting sound. Yep. Love it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And what in lines wise, you guys probably just a little bit a little bit of everything. What what types Yeah, of, you know, um just kind of the any traditional shorter heavy grain Skagit had, you know, Rio makes a couple good ones, yep. OPST makes a couple good ones, but just, you know, yeah. mass moves mass. Yeah. And those newer Skagit heads, you know, especially with some sort of mono running line, just make it so much easier. I mean, yeah. Many years ago when I learned to to spay cast, you know, it was on the Deschutes. Uh-huh. Traditional spay line, you know, if it if you didn't do everything perfect, it just didn't work, you no. know, and these new Skagit heads 
it's basically just a you know a roll cast on steroids and it just makes it so much easier for for people to get out and yeah, fish effectively it does and then if you know what you're doing man it's yeah. just so easy so do you get guys i mean what percentage of people coming in on these trips say next year are you know brand new to steelhead versus lots of skills uh, mostly lots of skills. You yeah. know, we do have a few yeah. folks who, you know, want the experience of getting out, uh, remote Kodiak and, and chasing steelhead and, you know, have dabbled in fly fishing, but I'd say probably 90% of our guests, um, are, are hardcore yeah. steelhead fishermen. Yeah. And most, uh, 50%, I'd say are all returning clientele. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, kind of, sure. kind of get spoiled. Uh, with the numbers and the remoteness and yeah, most, most folks come back again. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And it will, we had, uh, I'll put a link in the episode to that. Uh, yeah, I can't remember the number. Will Donnelly, right? He's uh, your, your head guide and he, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. That was a fun one we did with Will because he's got some stories that he's talking about the using the Willie Nelson and picking up that, yep. that fish on the sea tuck. And <laughs> he's just got a style and, uh, it's pretty awesome. And we're going to, I've been working on cam getting him on soon as well. Who, who else is on your team? So you got, you got Will and cam. Do you have other uh, staff out there during the summer? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have 10 full-time guys. Oh, wow. You have 10. Who, yeah. 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 Um, and the steelhead trips, as we talked earlier, you know, everyone wants to do them, but it's kind of more reserved for the, for the senior staff who's been with me for a while. And, and obviously great guides work hard, uh, but it is definitely, uh, a hell of an experience and one that we want to do. So it's pretty much, uh, you know, senior staff out there doing yeah. those trips because they are so much freaking fun. That's right. Yeah. So the, the younger staff you get in, I mean, and is that hard when you're finding new uh, guides up there? Is that one of those places where you got kind of some turnover coming through because it is Alaska? I'd say, I mean, I've been a guide, ah, I'm 42, I've been a guide since I was 19. And I think guiding itself is just kind of a tertiary transient industry. You know, you'll get yeah. folks right. out of college or in the ski town, you know, guide for a few years uh, in contradiction to doing something like at a ski resort. So you have summer and seasonal work, you know, being a mountain bum, ski bum, yeah. trout bum. Yeah. You know, so you'll get guides who'll guide for, you know, three, four years and then, and then move on. Uh, but then you have the other people that are like me and my senior staff, we're, we're lifers. This is mm -hmm. what we do. We love to do it. Um, a few of my guys, you know, will guide down in South America yeah. in the off season and then come back to Alaska. So yeah, yeah, I'd say guiding as a whole is kind of a little transient, but most of my senior staff has been with me over five years and Will's been with me, uh, since 2016. Oh, wow. 16. Yeah. God, there yeah. you go. Yeah. And yeah. Will's got the, yeah, I love what he's telling the story about the van. He's got that. What, what's the van? <laughs> the trout van. Yeah. The trout, the trout van <laughs> thing is awesome. Yeah. Um, good yeah. stuff. Anyway, now tell me about the trip. So you went down, visit Cam is down in uh, Ecuador. Where's he at? Uh, on the islands of Honduras. Oh, was, Honduras uh, we're yeah. down there. Yep. And we all went down, did some great bone fishing. That was my first experience, uh, yeah. getting out on the flats. How was that? And, Oh man, it's so cool. I have yeah. yet another addiction in yeah. fly fishing to now pursue. Mm. Uh, but it really reminded me of bow hunting for elk. Oh really? You're, oh yeah. You're stocking the flats, those bonefish, they're so keyed up. They can hear, they can see, they can sense. Mm. I mean, it, it was, it was an awesome experience. And just to uh, see the power, like you always hear about bonefish and how they just instantly take you down into your yeah. backing, but to experience that and see, you know, relatively small bonefish, you know, yeah. 12, 15 inch bonefish on, you know, 12 pound fluoro on a, you know, little tiny shrimp pattern on an eight weight, just 
instantly down into the backing is, is really? incredible. And, oh, it's so cool. So oh, cool. Man. The ocean, you know, any fish that goes out to the ocean, whether it be steelhead, salmon, or, you know, saltwater flats fish, like there's, they just have a different strength because in the ocean, they're eating everything that's smaller than them and everything that's bigger than them is trying to eat them. So you just right. have this, Oh yeah. You know, just this, you know, survival of the fittest and yep. yeah. Ocean fishing is awesome. There you go. Can't wait, to, can't wait to go back. And Cam, what's Cam's pad look like down there? He's got like a little spot down there. Yeah, we're, we're working on getting everything going down there. Uh, the islands can't say enough good thing about the yeah. islands of the Honduras and the people and the food and, yeah. uh, you know, just Island life is, is beautiful. It was definitely, we were down there for a few weeks and oh, then wow. to come back to Anchorage where we have five feet of snow on top of my <laughs> wife's car at the airport was like, oh, oh back to Alaska. <laughs> that's right. That's what Will said. Will said that when he came back, he was like, it was the one few trips where, you know, usually he's ready to come back. But this one, he was like, man, he didn't want to leave. Yep. He, he yep. was loving it down there and I could see that. Cool. Yeah. Nice. So you guys, so how's it looking now? So we're in, in the middle of, well, winter, I guess maybe we're coming out of it, but you got to, I mean, when do you start really getting ready to jump into another summer season in Alaska? Uh, well, we, you know, actively market all winter long book, mm-hmm. book, and we got a bunch of remote multi-day trips already booked for this year. In fact, our season is for the most part for multi-day is already pretty booked up. We still do have a few good windows here and there. Uh, but yeah, just busy getting stuff going. And then our season commercially kicks off the first part of May and start, start fishing. We'll be out. We go on, like I said earlier, we go on an annual steelhead trip, guide trip uh, to the Sea Tuck. And then once we get back from that, getting the boats pumped up and getting the chainsaws fired up to go clear out all the logs that oh. get run down in spring runoff. And yep. yeah get folks fishing oh right yeah you guys gotta clear you guys gotta get up on the rivers and actually make sure they're they're floatable yep exactly yeah that's right yeah that was i forgot about that we did have that cool little section that we floated a little whitewater section which was yep. uh pretty easy right what was it the water was higher so it made it easier this year yeah but yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 right on it was, it was fun that was that was a, such a good trip but yeah the water was definitely cranking normally in september the water has typically come down by that time but yeah this year was was still thumping Right on. Nice. Well, uh, let's take it out of here. Uh, if you're good to go, unless you want to, anything else we want to shed light on before we do our two minute drill and take us out of here. No, no. Um, it's, you know, Kodiak is a place that we should all get to experience. And for those of us who are steelhead addicts, there's really nothing else like it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think in your, you're talking to a lot of steelhead addicts for sure. We, we've built the start of this podcast on steelhead, you know, and, and it's a, it's a addiction for me as well. We, we were out in Ohio, this year we did that was really interesting too i mean talking to the people in the great lakes there's just so many people the steel that just shows you how crazy it is right i mean you mean lake run rainbows yeah <laughs> that's right that's right that's what jeff that's what Liske said he said no they're actually they're not steelhead he's you know he made that point but i like to joke around and just call them steelhead oh uh, no me too no they're yeah. people yeah like we get spoiled up here in alaska but now they're they're yeah. steelhead yeah, but yeah. they're lake run yeah they're it's lake. so funny like kind of the dichotomy in, in fishing in Alaska versus you know, the lower 48, because up here we have a couple great river systems um, that have lake run rainbows that are fluvial. They go from the lakes to the rivers. Mm. And up here, they're very adamant about saying, no, they're not steelhead. Mm. These are rainbows. Right. Whereas down there, they're very adamant. No, these are steelhead. So it's just kind of funny, the oh, dichotomy right. between, between the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, that's right. 
Yeah, so the fish that migrate. So you got steelhead for sure, but then you got these fish, rainbows that aren't going to the ocean, but they're migrating into the bigger rivers. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, they go to the lake. So there's a couple big systems up here that have massive lakes, like oh, Ileana Lake, Kenai yeah. Lake. And these fish will basically live in the lake, but then come down into the rivers to feed and, oh, and to right. spawn. Yeah. And they're just very adamant up here that, nope, these are not steelhead. Oh, these are, right. are rainbows. Those are rainbows. Yeah. 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 Although yeah. there's probably lots of overlap between steelhead and rainbows and over oh, yeah. millennia, yeah. right? Who knows? What oh, yeah. All that. Yeah, the, the science and biology behind rainbows is so cool. I mean, I'm sure you've heard of rainforest steel, but, you know, yeah. just oh, all yeah. the underwater photography yeah. and, and studies that have gone on with, with steelhead and interbreedings between rainbows and steelhead, it's they're, they're, it's yeah very cool. Yeah, very John cool. McMillan, I'll put a link out. We had, did yep. an episode with John. It's actually a really great one because he broke down – you know, there have been ups and downs in Steelhead, and we are in a, a down cycle, but it is coming back slowly. Yep. Um, it doesn't seem like Kodiak had the same down, but there, the whole Pacific Rim has kind of been down. I hope not. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think it is. It's looking better in a lot of places. And But John had a really positive outlook on it. You know, I think he his take, and there's other people that Niska we had on, he's up in the Skeena. And so... I feel like, and the runs have been better, you know, fishing's been better and all that yep. stuff, and it's good. But, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely, uh, Rainforest Steel, man, that guy, John's on it. We'll put a link out to him for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, l let's do a quick little two-minute drill, and we'll see if we can, we still haven't, uh, since I've implemented this, done actually success <laughs> successfully completed the two-minute drill, but let's see if this will be the first time. We're, we're going <laughs> to set the clock. We're going to set the clock right now. We're going to do the timer, and we got two minutes. All right, these will be real easy questions. And, uh, and here we go. All right. The first one is, oh, maybe we talked about this, but what's your, what's your one fly for steelhead? You got to put on one fly wherever you are. What is it? Whew. Hobo spay. Yeah. Hobo spay. Nice. Nice. And what's your one steelhead rod? So anywhere, not just Kodiak, wherever, what, what are you going with? Length, weight? What is that rod? Uh, 12, six, seven. Yeah. Seven weight, right? Yep. Yep. yep perfect. Perfect. What's uh, what's your one tip for a steelhead angler if they were coming up maybe on your trip or wherever and they they maybe haven't caught a steelhead yet? What are you telling them? Um, Skagit line with mono running line. Yeah. For swinging. For swinging. Yeah. 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 And the mono is just. I mean, yeah. What else is there? Right. There is some other stuff, but mono yeah, is so. Yeah. They have that coated running line. That's pretty good. But just the Rio makes a good one. OPST makes a good one. But just the no memory. No coil yep. shoots shoots well. You don't have to have it all coiled in each of your five fingers to get an effective cast. You know, it's kind of like yeah. cheating, but it makes it easier. That's it. And what what's your big trip? What what bucket list trip? You you're up there living in Alaska, so you got that nail. What else? Where else do you want to go next? Uh, well, I'm doing it. I'm going to Bolivia in June to oh, wow. chase uh, Golden Dorado high in the Amazon mountains, which nice. I cannot wait. There you go. Cool. Is that with Nervous Waters? Uh, no, uh, we're fish hound expeditions. We're working with, uh, oh, wow. uh, uh untamed angling and, uh, Oh, sorry. Yep. I, I meant, un yeah, yeah untamed. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's right. Yeah. But Samani Lodge. Yeah. I cannot, yeah, yeah. cannot wait. Got four good guests coming with us and can't oh, wait nice. to be chasing Love those it. golden unicorns. Can't wait. Yeah. Another one. Perfect. And, and finally give us, a, give us some tunes to come out of here. What, what are you going to be listening to uh, this week, today, tomorrow on, on music? What, what, give us a song group. Anyway. <laughs> I've been listening to uh, uh, a lot of tool and a lot of misfits. Uh, my two year old yeah. daughter 
I got her a Misfits record for Christmas, and she absolutely loves old school punk. So I've been listening oh, to a lot. Oh, perfect. Misfits. Yep. Misfits it is, right? We'll put that in show notes. <laughs> awesome, Adam. Well, we did it. Two-minute drill is a wrap. First uh, time. We, we, first, <laughs> first time we were successful. This is awesome. So we'll send everybody out to uh, fishhoundexpeditions.com if they want to book uh, a trip with you. Or, and doesn't sound like there's a lot left now, but maybe they could check on Steelhead at least for, uh, if, if they are interested in Steelhead, maybe yep. down the line. Steelhead for 2024, yeah. 2024 perfect there is one spot left for 23 so if there's single out angler out there who wants to come join us please reach out perfect all right adam well thanks again for uh digging a little bit deeper in here and we'll be in touch and uh, until we get the next one out there thanks again for the time thanks dave so there you are another one of those amazing trips uh, if you want to learn more you can head over to wetflyswing.com slash 418 418 uh, is where you got to go to check back uh, and catch up with Adam right now. Find out if he's got some openings for this trip to Kodiak for some crazy steelhead fishing and uh, everything else that Kodiak has to offer. Quick listener shout out before we get out of here. Soren sent a great email. He says that uh, he was from uh, originally from Transylvania, Romania where he grew up and fished uh, some of the rivers out in that part of the world. And he immigrated to Michigan about 25 years ago. And he gave me a great email, a great idea for an episode about getting some information out there on just guiding and doing guiding, um, you know, some some tips on doing it the right way. Just some of the details we really haven't dug into yet. So um, I'm not going to go deep on that email, but I will say I am going to put together an episode for Soren. And Soren, I appreciate you for reaching out. Let me know you're listening here. And, uh, and excited to put this one together for you. Uh, and if you want to check in with me, if you've got an idea for an episode or want to get a shout out on this podcast, you can check in with me anytime. Uh, just send an email, dave at wetflyswing.com, and we will do our best. And we will likely put together an episode for you. So shout out to Soren today. That's our end of the show. Uh, big shout out to our listener, Soren. Thanks for your support of the podcast. And uh, we're going to be heading into the next the next phase of the podcast and we're going to be taking a look at what is coming up right now what do we have coming up but before we get to what we have coming up i'm just going to give a quick shout out to uh the euro school that we have going we just wrapped up the giveaway last week it was a great event had a bunch of people fired up and uh and now we're just looking to fill a couple of the paid slots so if you're interested in getting on this trip heading out with pete erickson and then myself and his team to learn and scale up your Euro game. If you, whether you haven't done it, if it if it's brand new to you or you're an expert, Pete's got his finger on the pulse. Everything new in the Euro game. They just came off of a gold medal win. Uh, so it doesn't get any bigger than this. Uh, Pete is the man. He was there at the beginning when uh, the Euro game started changing in this country. And now they're at the top of the game. So... And we're also heading out to the Henry's Fork, South Fork of the Snake, some of the great rivers in the West. So we're really going to be uh, leveling up everything on this trip. Uh, again, send me an email, Dave, at wetflyswing.com if you want to check in on this and, uh, and get your spot. All right. Well, uh, just shout out to everybody here that's listening still to the very end. And uh, definitely would love to see you on that Euro School. Would love to get on the river with you. That would be amazing. If I can't, then shoot me uh, a message. Drop me a line. Just let me know you're listening. Let me know. Uh, see if what I can do, if I can put together an episode, that would be amazing. All right, I'm going to get out of here. I hope right now that you are having a good afternoon. Hope you're having a good evening or good morning, wherever in the world you are right now. And I look forward to serving you next time on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast. Have a good one. 
Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.